Well, good evening. It's great to be speaking with you today to focus in on these conversations of Jesus. And I, I don't know about you, but I've certainly loved the first two conversations that we looked at with Martin and Rosie, looking at Nicodemus and last week, the Samaritan woman. And they just were so transformative. They were so life-changing, those conversations. And so today, we're going to look at another conversation with Jesus. And today, I want to look at our passage, and I want us to think about Jesus today, Jesus tomorrow, Jesus forever. Our passage has three short interactions in it, and they each tell us something about Jesus, about who he is, about what he came to do, what he continues to do today, what he continues to do tomorrow, and what he will continue to do forever. So before we get into the, con- the depths of our passage, it's probably helpful to set the scene of where we find Jesus. And he has come up to Jerusalem for a festival, and he goes to the pool of Bethesda. Other translations, they call it Bethsaida. Um, and it's called Bethsaida as this means house of mercy. It's aptly named as this is the place where we see in verse 3, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed lie in hope. They lie in hope of being shown mercy, in hope of being healed. They hope to have this healing through being in this place, through being able to get into the water. And many at this time believed. There was a superstition. There was a, a belief that the water in the pool had healing powers. And in particular, that from time to time, that an angel would descend and stir the water. And if you were the first person into the water, that you would be healed. So every time this would happen, the invalids, the sick around the pool would rush over to get into the water in the hope of being healed. And that is why this place was called the House of Mercy. That is why the sick lay around this pool, hoping for grace and mercy to be poured out on them, hoping to be the first in the pool, hoping that they might be healed. And so that's the context we find Jesus in today. And as we read through our passage, we see that he comes in and he meets a man who in verse 5, we're told, has been an invalid for 38 years. This is an incredibly long time, particularly at this period of history, Often the life expectancy wasn't much longer than 38 years. So this man has been an invalid for an incredibly long time, suffering for a long, long time. For the large majority of his life, he had probably been sat by the sides of this pool, day after day, hoping and wishing to get into that pool, hoping to be healed. And we see in this passage that Jesus approaches him and says, do you want to get well? I don't know about you, but as I read that verse, I thought, little bit obvious, Jesus. He sat by this pool where everybody comes to be healed. But we all do it, don't we? We ask that obvious question. Whenever children fall and they graze their knees, like, does it hurt? Yeah, of course it hurts. They fell and they've cut their knee and they're feeling pain. But we all do it. And, and a little story, Jude and I just celebrated our wedding anniversary over the weekend. Uh, thank you, Emily. She has endured three years with me. Congratulate her, not me. Um, but six weeks before our wedding, I dislocated my shoulder playing rugby. 
And as I went to the hospital, I went in to see the radiographer. And I still had my jersey on, so I'm not sure if the guy was really sure if I was, like, faking it or just did, didn't want to take me seriously. And he was like, can you move it and push it around? And I was like, no, you can't do that. Um, it's, it's dislocated. Like, you can't do that. And he's like, no, 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 no. And just kept moving it around. Moving it, and I was like, no, I'm in a lot of pain. You can't do that. But he just wasn't too interested. And then he went away. He took the x-ray, and he came back. And his demeanor had changed somewhat. And he came over and he said, that must be really sore. That's really out. And being in a lot of pain at that moment, I turned rather sarcastically to him and said, you don't say, do you? I went back and apologized after. After I'd been relocated in my shoulder joint, I went back and apologized for having been ruined. But all that man was doing was trying to take care of me. He was trying to be nice. He was trying to affirm that what I was going through, the pain that I had was justified. And even though Jesus was being obvious, he was showing this man sincerity. Jesus approached him and says, do you want to get well? And we see his response, sir, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus was sincere and came to help this man, to meet this man in his time of need. He came to cure him and heal him. And so for us today, maybe that stating of the obvious isn't a bad thing. It isn't always a bad thing because people feel recognized that what they're facing isn't going unnoticed. We're finding that someone might actually care about what's going on. It might even be a really helpful for reminder for us today that not everyone's illness is visible or physical. In fact, there are many illnesses that people face that are so invisible that we might never know, that we might never see them, that there are some people who lead incredibly normal lives but have illnesses under the surface. And one in particular I think it's helpful to mention at this point. Yes, in the past year and a half, we've found ourselves in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. But we also face the epidemics of stress, social anxiety, depression. And these were sweeping the nation even before COVID-19 came along. And they've probably only got worse ever since. And I know that probably in a room this size, there are probably many of you are facing these struggles even today. And I want to encourage you because of what we see in this passage that Jesus approaches you. He wants to come to you and he wants to ask that question. Do you want to get well? Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, he wants to hold that question out to you today. To hold out his hand towards you to care for you and love you. And we know that maybe not everybody quite gets healed. And we know that many of you might be sitting here today, sitting by the side of your own pool of Bethesda, waiting patiently. And just a reminder of what Rosie said last week, that Jesus sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And he wants to meet with you today in the midst of all that is going on to reach out that hand to you and offer up that question to you. 
And it might not be that Jesus heals in the way that we might not have wanted. We see the man wanted to get into the pool, but in fact, really what he needed was Jesus to heal him. It might not be that Jesus heals in a conventional way. It may be a healing in our heart, or it may be that it takes time. It may be a healing process that takes time for Jesus to journey alongside us. But whatever it is, Jesus still wants to hold out his presence and compassion to you. He wants to stand with you, to walk with you, sit with you through whatever you're facing. He wants you to know that you are loved and adored by him. How often do we read in the scriptures of Jesus reaching out to the sick? Of Jesus reaching out to the outcasts, the down and outs, the forgotten of society? For that's fundamentally who he is. Just a short snippet from Luke 4 and where Jesus quotes Isaiah 61. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is why he came. That is part of the reason that Jesus came to this earth. To love, to care for the poor, to heal people. And if I can encourage us today, that's what Jesus wants us as Christians to do as well. To ask people, are they okay? To draw near to people whenever they're suffering. To care for them when they're in need to love them, to help them, maybe even to stand up for them in whatever they're facing. And more than anything, he wants us to hold out Jesus to them for his love and compassion to work in their lives. So that was Jesus today. But what of Jesus tomorrow? Well, Jesus never stops holding out his love to us. He never stops approaching us. He never stops coming towards us, even when he maybe wasn't supposed to. And you'll understand what I mean in a second. Let's look down at verse 9. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. For the Jews, the Sabbath was serious. It was serious business for them. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and the Pharisees were strict about adhering it. We read it in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a day of the Lord. The Pharisees went about making sure that people followed the law, that they didn't do anything on a Sabbath. And that included healing and even just picking up a mat. Now, some of these were maybe not quite direct laws that were given from Jesus or God, but they're ones that the Jewish leaders had imposed upon the Sabbath. These Jewish leaders have become so strict on following rules of do's and don'ts that they'd massively missed the point of the day. The Sabbath for the Jewish people was there to worship God. 
to glorify him in all that he's done and give thanks to him for that. And now there are two things for us to maybe think about here as we consider this Sabbath. Jesus did not come to abolish the Sabbath. In fact, he would encourage it, but he doesn't want us to live it in a legalistic way. He wants it for its original purpose, the original purpose of worship and rest. And so some of you guys might be aware or might have heard about lots of people talking about spiritual disciplines. And I know that they've had a bit of a renaissance in the past couple of years, and in particular one called Sabbathing. And what Sabbathing is about is about worshiping God. It's about coming to him and finding rest and worship in him. And in particularly in light of what we have talked about with mental health, with those struggles, this might be a great one for us to consider. To slow down, to rest, to put the phone away, to worship God. And so if you're, if you're interested in this, can I encourage you to maybe look out John Mark Comer and his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It has a fantastic chapter on Sabbathing and what it might mean for you to do that. And if, by the way, if you're rubbish at reading like me, he has a podcast and it's really easy to listen to. And he's such a great communicator, so do go listen to that because it has all the exact same content. But Sabbathing's a really special thing. And it's one that I know that I'm rubbish at. I love just meeting with people and going and doing things, but I know that I can't do that all the time. So that was the first thing to say about Sabbath. The second is this section tells us something about Jesus, about his nature. Later on in the chapter in verse 17, the Pharisees have cornered Jesus and they're questioning him, why are you doing this? Why are you working on the Sabbath? And he responds, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. We are humans, we need rest. But Jesus doesn't need the rest. He's always working, always approaching us every day, every single tomorrow of our lives, always wanting to pursue us and reach out his hand of compassion to us. That's the reason that we get to sing worship songs with lyrics of, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Jesus never stops working. He never takes a day off from loving us, holding himself out for each and every one of us. But what if forever? Jesus forever. Jesus is concerned about us physically, about us here on earth, but he is more concerned about us spiritually. He's more concerned about our hearts who we are at the very core of our being. Jesus had healed this man, but he went after him to find him, to speak with him one more time. And we read in verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something may, worse may happen to you. Jesus had made this man physically well. But Jesus wanted this man's heart to be right. Jesus was more concerned that this man stops sinning for that something worse may happen to him. 
Jesus is concerned about this man's eternity, where this man might be spending it, eternity with Jesus or eternity away from Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. And that's why Jesus pursued him, found him in the temple to implore him to give up the old way of his life, to give up sinning, to give up doing what pushes Jesus away, what pushes God away from us. And there's a reason Jesus talks about sin. And we read later in the New Testament in Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The debt for sin is death, but that debt has been paid. That debt has been paid for each and every one of us. Jesus has made us well in that regard. He's made us well when it comes to that debt. But just because that debt has been paid doesn't mean we continue to live the same way we always did. No, Jesus was calling this man, calling all of us to a different way of life because of what he has done for us. Some of you might remember your uh, GCSEs, and particularly your GCSE physics. And I, I loved my Newton's laws, and in particular, Newton's third law. And it says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And today, tonight, in light of the fact that Jesus has given everything for us, he's paid every debt possible for our sin, it seems only logical that we respond in desiring to give everything to him. Giving our whole heart, giving our whole desire to serve and honor him, to follow his commandments, to give up the old way of living and to live in the new life that Jesus has created for us. Jesus today, Jesus tomorrow, Jesus forever. And so as we come into land tonight, I wonder if these three sections, there might be something that is speaking to you. It might be one, it might be all of them. But whatever it is, can I encourage you tonight, don't rush away. Don't rush away without meeting Jesus tonight. Come and meet him. He's holding out that hand to you. He wants to meet with you this evening. And Jesus wants to meet you today, to hold out his hand, to ask if you're okay, to journey with you whatever you might be facing, to walk with you, to comfort you, to love you. So take his hand. He wants to meet you in your needs and be present with you. And Jesus wants to meet you tomorrow and every single tomorrow to never stop working for us. Even when we do stop working, he will never stop pursuing us relentlessly. He is Jesus. He can do that for each and every one of us. And all that we might do is that we might Sabbath in return, that we might rest, that we might worship him because of that. And Jesus forever. Jesus wants you he wants all of you, not just part of you. He wants all of you, every fiber of your being from now and throughout eternity 
because he loves you, because he absolutely adores you. That's why Jesus came and paid that debt. That's why he came and hung on the cross for each and every one of us, because he absolutely adores you. He has wiped the slate clean, and he wants you to live in the life that he has created for you. Jesus loves you, and he wants to meet with you today, tomorrow, and for forever. Amen.